Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Josh Newberg. We almost have a full cast here. I have Brendan Sinone and Zach Blostein, and we are uh, three of the four members of Knowles 24-7. Brendan, welcome to the podcast. Hello. That was intense. Uh, Zach, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. Um, We don't have much to talk about this week, but we wanted to get on. Uh, There was some breaking news in the Florida State market this week. The Knowles landed another transfer. It wasn't an offensive lineman, but it was a defensive end. Name should sound familiar. Marcus Cushney out of Alabama A&M. Uh, Brandon, tell me a little bit about him. So Marcus Cushney is a South Florida native. Uh, like you said, Josh, people should know his name because he was here on a visit in June. FSU offered him as a preferred walk-on. Almost got him as that, and it would have been a hell of a, a haul if you were able to get him as a, as a non-scholarship player for this year. Uh, But then Purdue came in at the last minute, offered a scholarship. He committed to Purdue. Uh, As it turns out, FSU ends up using their final scholarship on Marcus Cushney to say, hey, we ended up wanting you. Uh, We will use a scholarship on you. So Marcus Cushney commits to Florida State. He is someone who is very, very, very productive at the FCS level. In the spring season, this this past spring, just a couple months ago, he had seven sacks in just four games. His, uh, his metrics were really impressive. His pressure rate was really high. He had seven sacks as a sophomore as well, Josh. He's 6'2", 245, he says now. So decent frame. Uh, someone who, who fills a pretty big need for Florida State. Um, Zach, you were able to talk to him shortly after his commitment. What's, uh, what's Kushney saying? Yeah, well, I think the, the biggest thing that he said during the interview was – he was literally planning to enroll at Purdue the day he flipped uh, to Florida State. So this was like a very last minute decision. Obviously, Florida State was you know, holding out hopes that an that a offensive lineman was going to enter the transfer portal uh, by that July 1 deadline and, and so, that, so that they could pick up uh, you know, a needed spot at that position. Uh, obviously, that didn't occur. Uh, they went to their next best uh, option uh, in the transfer portal, and that was Marcus Kushney. Obviously, they had dealt with him in the past with, with that uh, June visit. Um, he went into detail about how he had like an hour-long workout in front of the entire staff. Coach Norvell, Coach Marv, Coach JP all you know dealt with him uh, in different drills. Uh, they, you know, he he came away thinking that they were impressed with him. So, uh, I think just the the last minute, um, you know, obviously it's a disappointment that Florida state wasn't able to get to, to, to add an offensive lineman, a quality one uh, through the transfer portal, but you know, they got to, they got to make an addition and the next, the probably the, the next most important um, and vital position that they needed talent at um, is the defensive end position. Um, they need pass rushers. They need to get to the quarterback. And I think Marcus Koshny with his really productive, um, you know, seasons over at Alabama A&M 
as well as that workout that he that he did in front of the staff kind of kind of proved that he could he could um be be a viable option at least to raise the floor in that room raise the floor baby and that is important um Florida State had several positions in need though heading into this offseason in the transfer market so Brendan do you buy or Sinone the take of Marcus Cushney so I in a vacuum, I buy it because you needed to get, in my mind, one more defensive end, one more pass rusher to go along with the overhauled position group there. You already had Jermaine Johnson, who we documented pretty well on this podcast. We are very high on him. We think he's the real deal. think he's going to help elevate FSU's pass rush, which was awful last year. They averaged 1.1 sacks per game. That's obviously not going to get it get it done for, for Adam Fuller or just FSU's defense in general to be successful. Kier Thomas was added as well as more of an edge setting defensive end type who can move inside on passing downs. So you really needed a, one more guy in that rotation to give you some pass rush juice, unless you're relying on one of the true freshmen who we've kind of documented. Yes, they're adding weight, but maybe not quite there yet. Or you're waiting on Derek McClendon, uh, Quajon Fuller, uh, Josh Griffith, someone to kind of step up who, who hasn't quite shown it yet who's been at FSU for a year or two. So you needed someone else. So yeah, in that sense, Josh, I'm cool. I think you needed to get one more pass rusher in the cycle. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you, I like the take of Kushni. If you could have gotten him as a preferred walk-on, I would have absolutely loved that take. Right. Uh, but I, I think there's value to it. Um, yeah, I, I think and more- they, And they weren't going to get him as a walk-on. That's just, that wasn't, you know- I mean, they almost did. They, they almost, almost did. Him. I'm just yeah. saying they weren't going, you know, once Correct, at this point. offered. Yeah, right. they had to up so, the ante. So yeah, I- I like, um, they did have to up the ante. That's a good way to put it. So yeah, they, they I, I like that in a vacuum, but if I'm going to take a step back here and say, you know, as we look at the entire hall of. Because we of, can at this point, I, I've been able to confirm that Florida State is no longer, you know, has room for another transfer. And we expect this class to enter the uh, the season as is. So the, the dust is settling, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, so the roster is what it is. Yeah. We just had. There might be guys who leave still. Deontay Williams just entered the transfer portal defensive end who wasn't able to do much in his one year here. Uh, but yeah, the, this roster is kind of set. So yeah, we can look at the transfer hall as a complete uh, complete finalized set at this point. McKenzie Milton was the 16th ranked transfer in this cycle per the 24-7 sports transfer rankings. Jermaine Johnson, 34th. Jamie Robinson, 43rd. Brandon Moore, 47th. Those are two DBs. Wide receiver Andrew Parchment, 74th. DJ Williams, 79th. Dylan Gibbons, Kier Thomas, Marcus Cushney, and Jarquez McLellan, not ranked, uh, but guys who are all expected to help in various ways this season for Florida State. So you get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten transfers. Uh, almost ten, all those guys. Ten transfers and how many offensive linemen? Uh, that That's where I'm going to be a little critical of, of this haul overall, Josh. One offensive lineman, that's Dylan Gibbons uh, from Notre Dame. That's a little bit disappointing because we knew what this team needed heading in, which was, let's just be honest, they needed a starting left tackle. We thought mm -hmm. best case scenario, Florida State pulls a bona fide starting left tackle that has NFL aspirations. That or didn't happen. it didn't, well, that certainly did not happen right now. They have Dylan Gibbons and I think we all like Dylan Gibbons and he, he, his interview yesterday was something that the message board was was a buzz about because he came off as so mature and polished. And I think he's going to help with the maturity of that room. But you're right now, we don't even know if he's going to be a starting guard or not for them. He may be a, a swing guard. He, he probably starts, I would say, Josh, but that's not a, a guaranteed. So you know, even though you said left tackle, that's what they needed. Uh, I, I would say that that would have been ideal 
a starting left tackle, like a surefire plug and play left tackle. But a lot of teams are looking for that. Even if you had a right tackle who you felt for sure he's going to start and be an anchor for us and allow us to move Devontae Love Taylor around, or uh, someone like Kane Madden, who they were very well in on, who you knew was going to be a fixture at left guard or right guard, that would have been fine too. Uh, they, to, to me, this puts a lot of pressure on something that the FSU viewed as a need, which was a young offensive line. He needed to, to correct that a little bit and help uh, get some stability to allow the guys like Darius Washington, Dante Lucas, Maurice Smith at 2019 class, uh, Robert Scott in 2020, those guys to kind of be able to evolve and develop at their own time instead of being kind of thrown into it. And I don't think FSU accomplished that this offseason. So that is something that I, I do have a little bit of a concern about heading into the, the 2021 season. Yeah, it's a bit of a disappointment when you look back and, like I said, just take into account the goals heading into the offseason to come out and see what we got. Dylan Gibbons is a nice piece, but we don't even know if he's a bona fide starter right now. Like we can't mm -hmm. say for sure that that's going to be his position. But I do think Dylan Gibbons is going to be a major contributor to Florida State's offensive line group. He's versatile. He can fill in a number of positions. Uh, like you said, he is mature. And I, I've i been told I fully expect him to be on FSU's roster for two years. Yeah, he said, he talked yesterday about that. He mentioned uh, fifth and sixth year uh, in his career a couple times, Josh. That seems that's in the works for him. Yeah, so this, I, isn't a, this isn't a shot on Dylan Gibbons. I think he's going to take for them. Yeah, they um, just needed a little bit more firepower. If you're going to take 10 transfers and knowing your, your offensive line group is the biggest issue, uh, you would have liked to see a couple more of those guys on the offensive line. But they like what they got. They got some young guys that they've been developing. Um, mm. I, I do think the transfer hall overall was good, Josh. Like I'm not, I don't want to be over. Yeah, I do of, too. It just, you know, this team could could really have used some help on the offensive line that's, that would have helped them win more games. Some of these guys will help them win more games, but, you know. Yeah, uh, I think the one, the one, so we get, we can look at the numbers and how they distributed the scholarships and believe most of those guys that we mentioned at the 10 are on scholarship, maybe nine of them are, uh, but, but so they allocated a lot of resources to fix different positions. I think the issue though, if we look across it is if they used one of those position, one of those scholarships on an offensive lineman, instead of say one of the other defensive ends or, you know, that nickel spot like Jamie, where Jamie Robinson plays or whatever, you're taking away from something else. I think we'd be critical of saying, oh, I don't feel great about the wide receiver room, or I don't feel great about the running back depth if they don't have DJ Williams or basically what I'm trying to say is that there are a lot of holes to fill this off season. The roster is in still need of refurbishment. So uh, yeah. I think we would have been critical no matter what to an extent uh, they were going to always have a numbers issue. It just so happens to be the offensive line is kind of the bugaboo of this fan base. And here they enter the season uh, with still, I, I think is pretty thin depth and not a whole lot of experience up front. All right, moving on. We got some other big news to report. Florida state made a, Another impactful off-field hire. If you haven't heard yet, Mike Norvell named Kenyatta Watson, uh, player director of player relations for Florida State. I'm not really sure exactly what that means, but what I've been told is Kenyatta Watson is going to be very similar to a Ryan Bartow. He's going to play that role for Florida State. Um, Brendan, you saw the news. Watson was a name that we've heard kind of back and forth, even before Ryan Bartow was hired. Um, give us a little background on Kenyatta Watson and what he brings to the FSU off-field coaching staff. Yeah, he was someone whose name I think was brought about 
you know, during the the Barto hire, like that was someone who mm-hmm. we had heard afterwards was in contention for the same spot. So uh, I believe they end up opening a position uh, for Kenyatta to to go ahead and fill that role there. And I had a text from someone who who knows him from his time in the Atlanta area, and that's where his connections really reside. And said he quote here's what they said about him. He's a very knowledgeable person and a super evaluator of talent. He's well-connected, not just in Georgia, but around the country. Uh, So, you know, Kenyatta is a bit of a fixture. His son was at the, the Logan, um, was it, or the, the Loganville Grayson, right? Grayson high. Grayson. Yeah. So he was, yeah. So he was there when they were rolling out uh, a lot of talent in this Atlanta suburb there. Uh, a few years ago, I think his son's at Georgia Tech now. He went to Texas, transferred to Georgia Tech. Was a high-ranked recruit. Uh, wasn't he committed to FSU at one point? Yeah, he was yeah. part of that True Nineteen class, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. Wanya so, Morris and all those guys. Uh, yeah, the the linebacker was so Owen uh, Popo. Um, oh yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And then obviously True Thompson uh, came came from Grayson and is at FSU on FSU's roster right now. So Kenyatta's background, uh, he's worked with. He was there uh, and really kind of helped those guys. Uh, with the recruiting process, he's worked a lot with youth programs in the Atlanta region. So uh, he's been involved in a lot of uh, youth football and and really kind of well connected in that regard in, in the Atlanta area. So uh, to me, the hire Josh is similar to to Bartow in that like when when they hired Bartow, the thing that I thought was the most valuable of of everything he was bringing was his Rolodex. Right, not that anyone uses the Rolodex anymore. Uh, but, but, but the digital Rolodex uh, on the phone and all the connections and the ability to make the right calls to people and know who the right people are to call, uh, I think Kenyatta helps out in that regard. Yeah, definitely. Um, the value here is recruiting, it's relationships. He knows these guys. He's been through recruitments uh, with his son, with other prospects. So he's kind of seen it from all angles of the recruiting process. And I think it's a good hire. Uh, these things get kind of blown out of proportion at times. Um, the off-field hires are great. I think Mike Norvell has chosen some very interesting individuals, some guys that maybe um, other staffs wouldn't take a shot at, but things are changing these days. And I think you've got to adapt and Florida State's making the moves to do so. I like the hire. Um, Kenyatta Watson alongside Ryan Barto is going to be a really good off-field recruiting duo for FSU moving forward. I like it a lot. Does this remind you at all, Josh Hanzak, of, of what Jimbo did in his first, uh, hit the first staff or two that he was accumulating uh, and put together in terms of recruiting prowess? Any sort of similarities? Yeah, yes, definitely. But the, what you do off the field can only go as far as what you do on the field and what you accomplish on the field. So these guys have the ability to recruit at a very high level as long as FSU wins. However, these guys will not you know, as off-field hires be contributing to the on-field product. So it it's it kind of goes hand in hand with the with the record on the field. But if this thing can take off and FSU can start winning, then you're going to see the ball rolling. All right, let's move it on over to ACC kickoff. Uh, that's just a, about a week away, correct, Brendan? Yes, on Wednesday is the first day, and they'll have the ace. Yes, yeah. So we, you, I'll answer directly. Yes. <laughs> All right. And who is Florida State sending to represent them? So the ACC threw us a bit of a curveball when we talked about last week. We were operating under the assumption they were only sending two, which is something that since I've been covering the program, Josh, you always send two to the ACC kickoff. Every team only sends two. Um, FSU sending three. Everyone sending three. Almost everyone, almost every single team. I think thirteen teams are sending a quarterback. 
FSU is one of two teams, Joshua, that is sending two quarterbacks. FSU is sending both McKenzie Milton and Jordan Travis, along with Jermaine Johnson. So two transfers, actually three technically. Jay Trav was a transfer two years ago. Uh, but two new players, two quarterbacks. I thought that was a – now that we know they're sending three, uh, and you had to basically send one quarterback, you couldn't send one without the other. So it was interesting, interesting move for sure. Yeah, what does that say about the quarterback situation at FSU? Well, one, yeah, I think so. So there's two things here. One, uh, that they are going to make it a quarterback situation. They're not willing to tip their hand. If you brought McKenzie Milton and say Jermaine Johnson and Andrew Parchman or, or Jay Sean Corbin or whatever, that would have tipped your hand, right? Or vice versa if you send Jay Trap. So you're so in that we're still very much so want both these guys in the mix. Uh, I also think it shows, you know, maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this, but but there are plans for Jordan Travis. Uh, maybe I'm making an assumption here that FSU is uh, you know, going with McKenzie Milton and, and then Jay Trav's going to be the backup, but uh, I think that's safe at this point, but we'll see how it plays out. But at the very least, I, I think both of those guys are figuring to be faces uh, of the program. So yeah, as we were doing our 40 most important player countdown, we're in the 20s. Jay Trav has not shown up yet. Spoiler, he will not be omitted from it like he was egregiously last year. Uh, he will be in the top 10 uh, at some point for us. So he's someone who I think FSU is going to rely on and is willing to to kind of say you're going to be a face of our of our program and be someone who's important this season. And uh, then one other thing I think it shows, Josh, is uh, you know with two transfers, two guys who haven't played a snap for Florida State to be represented in this, uh, maybe it's done just because those are the biggest names, Jermaine Johnson and, and McKenzie Milton, for, for this program. But I think it also shows that those two guys are considered leaders right now in this locker room. McKenzie Milton, as well documented at this point, like is someone who is taking – uh, charge in the seven on sevens and the player run practices and kind of being the alpha dog that, that he was brought in to be someone who has that charismatic leadership and Jermaine Johnson as well. Yeah. He's someone who, who not only was really impressive what he did on the field in the spring, but, but someone who I've, I've been told by, by multiple people at this point, like he is a leader. He's someone who like, he's always chirping, always talking trash to the offensive line, to, to try to push those guys because he talks trash to the offensive line. But then at the same point, like you saw a video of Darius Washington the other day cleaning 405 pounds or whatever it was, uh, the first guy to go congratulate him is Jermaine Johnson. So basically FSU saying, you know, if you come here, you do the right thing, uh, we will give you the platform to to lead. And that and that, I think that's the message Mike Norvell sends with, with these three guys going up there. All right. Well, we'll send you out there um, in about a week. COVID test, pen, COVID test pending. You'll cover all the action. I'm sure you got some great questions coming for Davo. I'm excited to hear those. Oh, God. But let's move on. We got some recruiting tidbits to cover before we get out of here. Um, one of Florida State's top pass-catching targets trimmed his list of over two dozen offers down to a top five. Four-star wide receiver Julio Skinner announced his final five teams on Twitter the teams that made the cut include Florida State, Texas, Alabama, Miami, and Clemson. Zach, there's one team missing from this. Um, does it surprise you to see UF not in, in the mix for Skinner? And what's your thoughts here? I mean, like if this list had been released before June, I'd be very surprised. But you know, he took an official there, and you don't really see a kid take an official to a school and not include him on their his top list um, the very next month. But I, I really think UF kind of um, their pitch to him didn't really resonate. Um, I think I mentioned this on a podcast before about UF pitching to him, um, you know, 
you can be the next Kyle Pitts. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of comparisons there and, and UF does a great job with their tight ends and, and especially with uh, under Mullen's offense. But I don't, I think Skinner just wants to pave his own path. And um, I don't think that, that UF kind of pitched to him about being the next uh, someone else, uh, the next Kyle Pitts, a guy that's obviously very talented, but you know, I don't think that that really resonated. And I think that's why you saw UF not make the list. Um, but I think, you know, Florida State has some, some tough competition with, with Jaleel. You got Miami in there. Um, obviously, Alabama and Clemson are two major powers. And then Texas is kind of a, a dark horse as well. And he enjoyed his official visit out there. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he visits at the end of July. Yeah, and he'll be back at FSU on September 5. We don't know exactly when he's going to make that final decision. Um, so we'll continue to watch another one that we've been talking a lot about on the site this this week, Zach, is Jalen Glover. The three-star running back out of Lake Gibson High School. Is FSU losing traction here? I think they are. Um, a way they could gain traction, uh, you'll see it. If you go over to Knowles 24-7 right now, there's a story. Um you know, regarding Glover potentially making it back to Florida State uh, prior to that UF visit uh, at the end of July. I think uh, FSU's event is the 25th, and then UF's Friday Night Lights is on the 30th or the 31st, one of those two. Um, so if, if he makes it to that event, obviously, you know, you, you got to like that Florida State still uh, has some footing in that recruitment. But, you know, anytime UF goes all in on a kid from Lakeland, um, Polk County, you know, all those kids or most of them grow up, grow up liking Florida um, just because of how close it is. And there's just a, a, a you know, big history um, of guys in that area heading to UF. Um, I think a, a major factor for Glover to UF is that um, Demarcus Bowman, um, a guy who originally signed with Clemson, who transferred over to UF, was making a big push for the UF staff to go and recruit Glover um, to join him in, in Gainesville. I think that's that's a, a major tie to that school for for Glover, um, but we'll see if he if he makes it to Florida State uh, at the end of July. We'll talk to him. We'll see what's up. Um, I don't think he's going to wait long after July to make a decision. So mm-hmm. he's going to have to come come to a decision pretty quickly. Um, you know, based on what he said, he's going to make an early August decision. Like I think he threw out August second as kind of a potential date, um, but that's not set in stone. So we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see if he makes it up to Florida State prior to going to that UF visit. So that'll be kind of the the telling um, way of just figuring out where Glover's head is at heading into his decision. In the July event that you're referencing is going to be July 25. Uh, we don't do we have an exact name for it, Zach? Do we know what it's going to be called? I don't know what it's going to be called, but I know it's like a I, I've heard barbecue. Um, I know there's going to be a camp portion to it. So I think um, it's going to be kind of like uh, more laid back than what you saw at like the, the elite camp where they were all, you know, all the recruits were working out. And obviously there were some fun activities beforehand, but I think this recruiting event isn't going to be as much as like an evaluation tool. It's going to be more about just, ha- you know, creating a fun experience for the recruits in attendance. Right. I heard they're going to call it Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Is Plaza going to be there? I hope there's snow cones again. 
Yeah, we don't have exact details, but I've been told it's going to be very similar to the June 5th elite camp. It'll be kind of like an all day visit. Like you said, Zach, there's probably going to be food involved and then it's going to culminate in some sort of workout. I don't know if we're going to exactly have like the 30 to 40 prospects that we saw in June. You've been putting it together a little bit of a list, Zach, and the people at Knowles 24-7 want to know when is it going to go up? When are you putting up this visit list? When, Zachary? When? Um, I think I'm at like around 15 names right now. Um, a lot of them are commits, but I, but I already wrote about Eston Harris, the offensive lineman out of Alabama, who told us that he's, he's planning to make it to the event. Um, there's a couple others that I'll be releasing in the coming days, and then we'll have the list out soon. Soon. There you have it, folks. All right, Brandon, anything you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? Nope. Nope. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm hanging in there. Not feeling so well, but... Um, Uh-oh. Is it possible to pass COVID via via Zoom? I may apparently, have done it. Apparently. <laughs> My <But> bad. <laughs> thank you all for listening. It's been a uh, another great On the Bench. We'll be back soon. See ya. Bye. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.